1: So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey everybody, welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. How the heck are you? I hope you're doing awesome. I'm bringing you the the goods this week and continuing with the tradition of interviewing other really smart people. Yes, I love talking to you. Yes, I love sharing my vision and my passion, but it's really cool to get outside perspectives from other entrepreneurs who have fought the good fight like you. And have overcome massive adversity. And (laughs) I'm laughing because of the intro I'm about to read to introduce my good buddy, Mike Campion. I actually just met him. We have a lot in common. And uh, he's got a crazy story. Check this out. So Mike was raised in a 500-square-foot house. In the part of Phoenix that makes the nice part possible. <laughs> his mother, to this day, has never had a driver's license. And after high school, he was asked to leave the local community college after only getting four credit hours in just nine short months, which that sounds familiar because I stopped by community college too. But that it doesn't stop there. He bought his first business, which was actually a service master commercial cleaning franchise when he was 22 years old. Uh, and he discovered the importance of company culture when all read my words, all of his employees quit on the first day by pasting a yellow sticky note to the front door that said, we quit, dash the employees. (laughs) I can't make, I can't even do this. This I have so many questions already. (laughs) Uh, But you know, he's not someone that gives up, right? Just because he has no employees. So he, he got to work, he tripled that business, actually sold it for three times what he paid for it. 28 months later. And then over the next 10 years, he's built several other multi-million dollar companies. The most recent did about 4 million in revenue in just the first 18 months. He's a father of two sons, a husband to a wife who he says is way out of his league. I can relate to that. And one of the coolest things about Mike, fun fact, he's been kicked out of four Las Vegas casinos for counting cards. He's a podcast host like me. He's the author of a book called I'm a Freaking Genius. Why is business so hard? <laughs> and I think he might be a legend in his own mind. But uh, I want to welcome you, Mike. What a crazy story. Thank you for being on the Quick Talk Podcast.
0: Glad to have it. I to that intro. I'm like, man, that guy sounds great. We should have him on the show instead of me. That's fascinating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because pain and suffering is horrible when you're going through it, but it makes for tremendous stories after the fact, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm constantly going. I wish I would have saved like pictures, like all these terrible things at the time. You just, you just pain and suffering. How do I get out of this? And now looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have taken a picture of that sticky note or just kind of notated some of the stuff. But I was too busy, you know, in the corner in a fetal in the fetal position to think, you know, think through any of that good stuff.
1: Yeah, I just interviewed a, a, a someone I look up to named Myron Golden, and he's an amazing guy. And he was talking about like to build a skyscraper, you have to have a really deep foundation. Like the bigger you want to live your life, like the more um, success or achievement you want, that it's almost like the more pain you have to have endured so you can hold up that success. I mean, they go hand in hand. There's not a shortcut. Um, and I always say pain's an excellent teacher. Can you unpack your, your business story for us? Talk about maybe <laughs> expound upon the employees quitting and how you went from terrible college kid to buying a business. What happened? Well, first of all, hold on. Nowhere in the intro does
0: it say terrible college kid. I was a fantastic college kid. I just didn't like showing up. But oh. you know, let's, so let's you not have any you judgment. Got s-
1: you got straight A's on the four credit hours. I, I'm so I, sorry. Hold on. I didn't say that. Now <laughs> Walk
0: it back. Like, let's just college kid. I don't. All the, you're you're going to trigger me. I don't need all these judgmental words like terrible and not straight A's. You know, just because they're true doesn't mean we have to say them out loud. We in front need to find a God. safe
1: place for you, Mike. We need yeah, a safe place. You. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All
0: right, I'm going to breathe through it, do a couple exercises. I'll be back with you and and continue with the story. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's funny when I was growing up, my mom, who is just amazing, um, taught me in retrospect erroneously that you know the only because she was broke we didn't know any rich people she worked for the county she's making like 10 bucks an hour you know government job no, I didn't know any rich people I didn't i certainly wasn't rich and was taught the only way you make any money is go to college that was it which is a fantastic lesson if you happen to have the wherewithal to send your kid to college which we did not we made just enough money to get no scholarships uh, I had really good grades at high school but not good enough. And, um, so I kind of left high school with this. If you only want to be, if you want to be successful, you got to go to college, but you can't really get to any, um, decent colleges with your background financial situation, yada, yada. So it's kind of in this dichotomy of, you know, this bad belief of you got to go to college, to make any money, and then, um, no desire to go to college. So did, do the community college thing for about a sneeze and um got the crazy idea to start my own business or buy a business saved up everything i had did buy that service master uh commercial cleaning company went to memphis tennessee which back in the day that's where you had to go to get your training uh you had to go for two weeks to get trained you know it's funny the first week we're all in like ties and suits and i'm writing everything down feeling very smart and then the next week we're you know stripping floors and on our hands and knees cleaning toilets uh <laughs> So – which is funny. That's such a good picture of you know what business – what it has been for me for the last 20 years. Yeah. And I, I get back to Grand Junction, Colorado where we lived at the time, ready to take on the world, um, went to bed, woke up for my first real day, walked outside to get the newspaper because it shows you how old the story is. And there was that little yellow sticky note. We quit the employees and I, uh, th- I had no idea what to do. Like that was 8 o'clock in the morning and we had – I don't know a dozen accounts or something to clean
1: five o'clock that night, and we had to we oh, had to figure out where. So you you bought an existing business. The yep. employ, employees apparently just did they like meet you and think you were horrible, or did they just were they mad that the owner kind of like sold out on them? Like, why did they do that, and why were they so unified in that?
0: <laughs> Honestly, at this point, you have the exact same amount of information I have. <laughs> <Literally>, <laughs> <laughs> Those four words, and it's, that was 20 years ago. I have no more information. It, you'd think at some point like I'd have figured it out or something would have come to light. I met them once for 20 minutes, and nothing happened. There's no – Nothing good or bad, right? They just, and, uh, you know, we we had a nice conversation. I thought, apparently, well, uh, that's not true. From my perspective, nothing happened. From their perspective, apparently something happened. Oh, you really blew that first
1: meeting, Mike. Something happened.
0: (laughs) I walked away going, that was great. Can't work here for these people. They apparently walked away saying, we're going to quit my sticky note uh, all at once. So. Oh, that's so brutal. If and when I figure it out, I'll come
1: back on and tell so you what happened. Wh- what did you do that night? Did you just round up friends, families, neighbors, and people on the street and say, you're going to clean offices with me tonight? Or what happened? How'd you get if, out of it? If that? I was smart, I would
0: have done that. Uh, my wife and I cleaned every single one from 5 p.m. to, I think we got done around 4 a.m. Because um, we only had like three or four employees when we bought it. We had none. We, <laughs> we closed, obviously. <laughs> right. The plan was only to have three or four. Um, so we were able to do everything just the two of us that night, and then uh, because we didn't have an office at that point, we uh, the next morning I was at the I still remember the name of the restaurant called Puffer Bellies, great little breakfast joint. Uh, me and my 22 year old body and seven year old face at a baby face were trying to hire complete strangers at the
1: Puffer Belly restaurant uh, that following week. That is so epic. You were just boots on the ground employee marketing. That's awesome. So that thing really started to work, though, because you had exited it. And that was so you bought your first business at 22. And what, 28 months later or something? You you completed the I call it the cycle where you took something that didn't have a ton of value, especially after your team quit, added massive value, spun up some earnings, automated some part of it and at least enough to sell it for triple what you paid for it. How did you learn all that stuff, Mike?
0: Gosh, I wish I could tell you, like, oh, some story that kind no, of. No, it's one up
1: magical the, book that fixes everything. Yeah. What's the name of the book, Mike? We <laughs> it read is. It. Oh, after the break. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I, first and
0: foremost. I had everything into this business. So really, if I had to kind of have my secret to success in that specific one, you won't like it, but it's the truth. I had no other option. Not only did I put every dollar I had into this penny or this penny, this, every other, every dollar, penny, nickel I had into this business, I took on debt, right? I had to give them- uh, mm-hmm. Got an SBA
1: down. loan or something. Yeah. No, he, he carried the note. So I gave him oh, everything okay. I had to buy it and then I owed him- I Well, he was I willing him. to carry the note because he knew his employees were on their way out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I always thought like maybe he made them quit, but I'm like that's insane. I owed him a bunch of money. Why would he want me to fail? But who who knows why people?
1: That's true. That doesn't make sense. Wow.
0: So honestly, just that I can't. If I could have quit, I probably would have quit. I I wish I could say no. You know, Joshua, I was just this hardworking, smart kid who's like, no, I had everything was on this. I had no other, no other choice. But. I'll tell you the only marketing I remember. This is 20 years ago, but just so people don't get too uptight, we talk about all the cool stuff we can do and how to automate and just all the opportunities available. Let me tell you my entire strategy for building that business, which was terrible, but it should just encourage you. Even if I have a bad strategy, execute well, uh, it can work. Yeah. I literally found 10 businesses per week. I hand uh, wrote a mail to them. I had a, a, a you know I. I printed it out on my old crappy printer, um, you know, some letter. I'd you know, hey, I'm gonna call you in the in a couple of days and and about cleaning your your business. And I hand sign it and hand fix the envelope and put a stamp on it, send it out. I think I'd do that like on a Wednesday, and then I'd call him on a Monday, say, hey, did you get my letter? Can I come bid your place? That was literally my entire
1: marketing funnel. Uh, I just did it over and over and over again, and we we tripled that little bad boy. That is so awesome, man. I, yeah, I have a T-shirt from my friend Michael Gebbin, and it says massive imperfect action in huge letters. And I love it because that's what you did. I mean a lot of people, they take perfect in their mind, perfect inaction, which is going to lose every day of the week to just going out and hustling. But, I mean, did were you nervous to do that? A lot of the people I talk to, like they really struggle with – I call it bog marketing, but just networking, meeting people, like getting on the phone, like hustling, shaking hands, kissing babies. Were you just always this charismatic podcast guy who was destined to be an author? (laughs) Did you have an unfair advantage or was it hard in the beginning? And you're young and you had imposter syndrome and you were panicking. I mean, what did you feel like when you were starting to do that stuff?
0: Well, right now I feel like I'm going to steal the phrase imposter syndrome because that's exactly what I had and I've never been able to describe it Mm -hmm. so well. Yeah, because I was, like I said, 22. I looked like I was seven. I had, you know, no college education. Like, I just, I definitely felt, you know, I'm talking with 30, 40, 50 year old adults that have been in business 20 years. I've been in business 14 seconds with no employees. <laughs> uh, or the few employees that I kind of inherited oh, so wouldn't awesome. even be in the same room with me for nine seconds. They had a, a sticky note me as opposed to uh, call me. Um, so, yeah, I. I definitely had no unfair advantage. I wish people could see me because they see me now, like, "Oh my gosh, you must have you know come out of the 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 womb as this entrepreneur." I'm like, "Oh good lord, no! I was so had just nothing going on. So it was absolutely I have no other option. I've got to hustle, hustle, hustle. I'm not that smart. I don't have any experience. Um, I had zero. Uh, my one unfair advantage was I had everything into this, and there was no other option. I had burned my boats. So there was no option to, but to succeed.
1: I mean, I know that you're a business coach. You help tons of people all over the place. You have a a popular podcast, really similar to kind of what I do, you do. We have different audiences a little bit, but what I hear when I hear you say that is what I hear from basically anybody that's successful and is that you are hungry. And that's the one thing, like even with employees, you can't train hunger. And whether you had experience or not, or you had a baby face or not, you had that fire in your belly that kind of God just put there. It's like you just, you went out imperfectly and got up and took the beating every day. And I don't know how to like coach someone to be hungry. You know what I mean? Have you ever ran into that? It's like if someone's not willing to just go for it, they're kind of screwed before they start. Would you agree? Yeah, that's funny you would say that as um, as I have been coaching, I've been kind of more and
0: more selective about my one on one clients and it forces me to kind of assess whether I think someone's going to be successful before we start start or not. And it's funny that you and I came to the same conclusion. Um, It is that commitment to whatever I need to do, if I need to, as long as it's legal, ethical and moral I will do it. If I need to crawl through broken glass, if I need to grow and stretch and do super crazy, scary, uh, uncomfortable things, I will do it. And if I can have one over money, over talent, over connections, over experience, over a good idea, I will take that attitude of whatever it takes, it doesn't matter. I'll pick that one thing over everything else combined when it comes to coaching someone or picking someone that's going to succeed or not.
1: Oh man, me too. And another word that's really awesome and epic, it's a man word is grit, right? You got to have grit. And there's this book, there's this lady, and I remember her name because I haven't read the book, but I read like the summary of the book. It's the lady, the author is Angela Ducksworth or Duckworth or something, but she did a whole study on the concept of grit. And I think she studied like US Naval Academy students and like which ones became ultra super high achievers, like, or how, how they did, like how how do some people become ultra elite? And what they found out is that there was zero correlation to like economic background, at you know, IQ, any of that stuff, it was all grit, like in, in summary, but working with small businesses, I, it's self evident after a while, you can start to see the patterns, right? The people that have grit figure it out, right? Yeah. And it's frustrating because the
0: government's like, you know, we can make everybody normal or the same by doing this or that or all these artificial things. But you're – it's funny. It's the exact opposite, right? If we can just put them in an easy chair, make them feel safe, make them feel comfortable, make them not have to step out of their comfort zone and kind of make everything easy artificially, that's what's going to make them succeed. And you're exactly right. I found it to be the opposite. The, the more – pressure we have, the more gravity, the more problems, more headache, the more pain and suffering, the more likely that we can survive, the more likely we are to come out the other end. That's why lottery winners never do any good, right? They're giving us money and they're bankrupt or dead three years later because they, they don't
1: have that foundation to have the skyscraper on it. Things going to tip over as soon as it gets windy. Like, they didn't earn it. And I was talking to Myron Golden about – he calls it the law of advancement. Like, for any he, – he, it's a universal God-created function of the universe. It doesn't matter if you like it. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in it. It's like gravity. Gravity doesn't care if you believe in it. It's still going to smack you to the ground when you jump off a cliff. The law of advancement says that something has to go down before it can go up, meaning like a seed has to go in the ground before it can come a tree. It has to literally cease being a seed. It has to die. There has to be pain. Like your muscles, when you lift weights, they have to tear apart so that they can fill in with more muscle. They get weaker, then stronger. And with a business, I mean, that's like the path. Like you can't skip it. I mean, you just can't like, but if you just accept it, because for me, I, I have a, something I didn't tell you when we connected last time, Mike, but- I was like in my early 20s and I was trying to find the super easy fast path to make like $10 trillion a day with like multi-level marketing or something. And I'd yeah. like sit in my trailer park and be like, small business opportunities, Google, search, you know. I'm like, how do I make $8,000 a day doing nothing? Well, that doesn't exist, right? But eventually, when I realized it doesn't matter how hard stuff is, it only matters if it's worth it, then I didn't mm-hmm. care about it being hard anymore. I, I tried to avoid the pain, tried to avoid the pain, had no money, totally broke, totally broke. And finally said, screw it, like, pain's not bad like let's just go for it because now i've got clear on what i want what do you think about that
0: yeah i I think the best thing either of us have said all day is pain's not that bad as long as it's worth it i think that's i I, I couldn't say it any better it's 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 and again i don't know like i've told again the lottery example i've told my wife we talk about i'm like i don't think i'd want to win the lottery like i don't play not just because numerically it's a it's a fool's bet but um, sorry, all you lottery players out there. Uh,
1: <laughs> I saw a lady I, buy two dollars worth of gas and eighteen dollars oh. lottery tickets one time in, in real life. I saw it and I like, my jaw was on the ground. I'm Like, wow! Like, I wanted to like take a camera and be like Steve Ir- Irwin and be like, "This is a lottery player in the natural habitat." You know, like it was like fascinating to me. But anyway, sorry. sorry. Hashtag priorities. <laughs> like, come on, it was lady. crazy. I felt bad. Um, I mean, it was sad. But
0: even even if I could win, I, I just I think there'd always be that. Um, you know, the things that we have and more than probably most and, and not as many as some, but I've earned it and I feel proud of it. And it's important to me Even when my son sees the things that we have, we can say, you know, I didn't take that from somebody. We didn't get lucky. We worked really hard. And, and more importantly, we brought, a, we brought a commensurate amount of value to the world, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think a lot of people, I, I know my family felt this way. Poor people feel like rich people lie and cheat and steal and, and, and destroy to get rich. And it's like, no. Like the government are the ones that are like, hey, we have a gun. You have money. Let you give us the money, or right. you get the gun. <laughs> no doubt. Um, yeah. Entrepreneurs, if you're doing it legally, we don't have a gun, right? We've got uh, a computer or a service or we something have a value that makes you like make make better, <laughs> right? And if you take it then we win and if you don't then we don't but there is no such thing as you know I, I I, raped and pillaged and stole I mean I guess it's possible but the vast majority is not raping and stealing and pillaging it's just bringing massive amounts of value to other people's lives yeah. and that's the exciting part right it's not just the I'm smarter I'm better I'm faster I outworked it's the especially in the coaching, right? We, we, you have to bring value to people's lives to, uh, to get paid. And I, I, there's something cool about that. There's something that just feels right. And you get some sort of a lottery situation. It's uh it, it takes that away. And that satisfaction to me is as
1: valuable as the money. Oh man, I can't agree more. And that's the truth. There's, there's no such thing as income inequality, really. That's like a misnomer to make people angry and to have like be mad at somebody and throw rocks at this mythical thing that's holding people down. There's value inequality. And people, it's not because people are dumb. It's because they just didn't know. Like it's true that some people are raised in an environment. They never get the opportunity to, to learn a certain thing or to have someone love them. And that totally affects and messes up your life. And I'm super blessed to have, you know, my path. I've had mentors. I've met people, but the information by itself didn't give me anything, but it did create, you know, the motivation for me to, like, understand it's possible, I guess. And I got a, a message yesterday just speaking to your coaching thing. I just want to read this to you because I'm sure you get these. And this is why it's all worth it. This is someone I met when I very first started helping small businesses. And he said, uh, his name's Louis, and he sent me a message. said, you and I haven't been in contact that much over the last year. But I still want you to know how much I appreciate and love you. You taught me how to fish and feed my family. And today we bought a $272,000 house. And my, ba- my business was basically non-existent until the day I shook your hand. I can't thank you enough. I was just like like t- like crying, like, oh my God. <laughs> but it's based on value, right? And so he did the work. I gave him accountability and information and a path. He did the work. He had the grit. And he got a massive result, and he didn't rob anybody. He created massive value. It's, it's it's just amazing, right? Yeah, and had
0: you somehow been able to, when you were in that trailer park, get the get rich quick, you know, make a bunch of money, you know, overnight without doing anything, maybe have the money, but you would have been robbed of being able to impact this guy's life. And you know, when when you lay down at night, go, God bless it, I helped this guy, and his life is different because of my efforts. And again, I'm not allergic to money. Please don't get me wrong, but I think it's an incomplete picture.
1: Yeah, it is. Yep, yeah, I agree man. It's anybody I think most of our listeners are on the same page for sure. I mean, they I call them blue collar entrepreneurs because sometimes we have to get down and scrub the toilet like you did in week 2 of your training like, but we're also entrepreneurs and we want to be CEOs. So, let's pivot the conversation a little bit into some of the other companies, you know, you've built several multi-million-dollar companies. You know, what did you get better at as you moved into other industries and did other things? Give us a high-level view of that, and what do you think your strongest strength is as a, an entrepreneur today? So I got two questions. One, I heard two questions.
0: One, what did I get better at? And two, what do I think my strongest strength is? And I'll try and hit them both. Um, what I got better at was honestly client attraction like uh, I'm a big Dan Kennedy fan and I don't know if he's the only one the first one to say but he's the first one I heard say it was we're not in the you know I had a car dealership and I've now got a coaching client company and you know I had a cleaning company and I thought I was in the business of cleaning uh, businesses for people or getting cars for people or helping people grow and I think I I am more so in, in, in this last one but he taught we're not in that business we're in the business of attracting clients so I really Really look back at the car dealership, and you've got to hire people, and you've got to build systems, and you got to either go to auction or send someone to auction. You've got to refurbish cars, and you've got to um, do financing. You've got to deal with a bunch of money, and you've got to deal with leases and showrooms and cleaning and detailing and mechanics and salespeople and on and on and on. And I realized the highest value, the highest dollar thing I brought was really the client attraction systems. And had I been able to go back and be like, you're not in the car business. All this other stuff with the cars is really a distraction. You're in the business of attracting people to your car dealership uh, that know, like, and trust you. So, I, I would say that's probably what I've gotten better at is cre- understanding I am in the client attraction business uh, and I can't serve anyone in coaching or getting them a car or constructing until I've attracted them and, and helped them understand how I can help them. So, that's the first thing. Uh, crap. And I forgot, there's a second question that well, I've already I, forgotten. It.
1: That was amazing. The second question was you know, what do you think your strongest skill set is t- today? And it probably is a similar answer, is it?
0: Yeah. It's actually being lazy. I've learned that kind of that the dichotomy of, I, you know, I always started wanting something for nothing and now I want something for something, but I want the most amount of leverage possible. So I don't mind working. Just like you said, it's got to be worth it. So I think I've gotten better at saying, well, I don't want to do that or that sucks energy from me, but there's humans on this earth that that gives energy to. So instead of me doing it, I'll pay them to do it and just kind of leveraging, knowing here's what I'm good at. Here's what I should. Here's my playpen that I, I enjoy and I do well and I can bring most value in and then paying other people to do the things that they love and bring them energy, um, but maybe doesn't match mine. So kind of that leveraging my
1: time and, and resources
0: is probably what I've uh, gotten best at recently.
1: Yeah, well, that's a perfect thing to talk about because people are terrified to assemble a team. And I'm not saying you should like, over hire or something, but mo- uh, the far ma- most of the people I work with are far under hire and they're too slow to hire because of fear, probably because they don't have a system built for client attraction or their deal flow isn't stable because they, they haven't figured out how to get like some level of consistency or predictability with marketing. But whatever the reason is, like one of the biggest reasons people are stuck is because they're doing all the stuff themselves when the, the ironic part is is that almost all of the real reward—financial, time savings, you know, happiness, <laughs> stress level—lies on the other side of assembling a full, competent team? Would you agree with that? Oh, good lord, yes.
0: I mean, that's probably one of my biggest struggles with folks just starting in the cleaning business. Is uh, you know, it's tough because when I had my construction company. God knows, I'm not the guy that you're gonna give heavy equipment to, because I'll kill myself, others, buildings, like no one's safe. <laughs> no
1: so, cat is safe around no. here. No.
0: <laughs> so it was very easy for me not to, you know, commit homicide by trying to get behind equipment and do do you know do the things that we did. Um, same with a car dealership right like when you know people complained about some car being broken I'm like well the last thing you want is me to <laughs> get down there with a wrench and try and you know fix something But I think a lot of us certainly people in service businesses, you know like uh, the e you know Gerber talks about the e when the uh, Mechanic starts a uh, auto repair shop or the hairstylist starts a salon or the guy or gal that can clean real well starts a cleaning company we've got that debilitating ability to do the thing that we do, right? So I'd, I'd say I spend 30% of my time with folks that are still in the business trying to convince them you can't clean and it's fine, we know that you can, but you certainly shouldn't be or fill in whatever that thing is that your, your, that your, your company delivers. You know, it's like the, you know, how comfortable would you feel if you're, you know, flying New York to, to London and the pilots, you know, kind of handing out peanuts and stuff. You're like, good Lord, we're or the CEO of the company <laughs> hand handing out peanuts. Like, it doesn't make you feel good. It makes you feel bad right. um, and uncomfortable. So I, I think that's huge in terms of understanding where your value is. And I promise it's not delivering the service that your company delivers.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, we're so on the same page. This is so much fun. I, I teach, uh, I don't think I've brought it up in a while, but I use this for myself to this day. I call it an entrepreneurial scorecard. I didn't, like, invent this concept. I think that's kind of, like, what's out there, what it's called. But it's a really simple, like, one sheet of paper and it has four columns, right? And so it has like a $5 an hour task, a 50, a $500 and a $5,000 an hour task. And it really helps people to visualize like, like every minute of our work week, that we're literally investing our time in one of those four columns, right? So if you're doing like system building or high-level strategic planning, or you're building a marketing system, or you're you're educating yourself, those are all going to be 500 or 500, five hundred or 5000 five thousand dollar an hour tasks. Even though you don't get the money right this second, it's still real, right? But most people are living in the the low column like they're doing the deliverable they're cleaning the thing they're mowing the lawn and it's not that like you're better than that i'm not above cleaning a toilet it's just irresponsible for me to clean the toilet when i'm trying to build an automated business to create jobs and a ripple effect in my community and to change my own family tree gosh it's so funny how we've spent some time offline but not enough to kind of be this
0: connected but it's when i talk to other people that i respect and am attracted to um, So many of the things like are exactly the same. I I have the same concept all the time in $10 an hour work, $100 work, and $1,000 an hour work. And I'm constantly talking with my clients. What are you doing? What are you doing? And it's so funny that you say it in different words than I say it in. But it's the exact same conversation we both come to without ever speaking. (laughs) And I'm guessing most successful people have that same thing in terms of – and again, there's a couple things like um, I don't, but I wish I did. Say I liked gardening or cleaning my pool and it was therapeutic. That's ten dollars an hour work, and that's fine if I've chosen to do that. Like you said, there's no shame in it. But I have to be okay with, hey, I'm not really bringing massive amounts of, of value to the world while I'm cleaning my pool. Now, if this is how I recharge and I enjoy doing it, there's 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 nothing morally wrong with it. The only thing that becomes a problem when I think I'm saving, you know, eighty bucks a month or whatever the pool cleaner would charge by cleaning my pool, and that's a good thing. That's good for my financial future. That's insidious, right? right so you just yes. got to be clear on. If I love doing this thing and I'm doing this for a hobby or for my own personal edification, God bless you. Go do what you want. But just don't fool yourself into thinking I'm building a business when that's not the case.
1: Yeah, and the 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 more I progress in my entrepreneurial journey, and I'm young, man. I, I haven't even started yet, as far as I'm concerned. But like the further up I go, um, what's happening is I'm starting to like uncover foundational truths. Like, like people get confused between uh, opinion and conjecture and like a foundational principle of the universe and what we're talking about with like the whole the value ladder or the entrepreneurial scorecard that's something that everyone's going to uncover naturally if they make it through up to that next level because it's just the way that it is like when you look back at your business it's 2020 when you're looking forward it's blurry but once you reach a certain threshold you look back and you're like oh gosh like it's so clear for three years i wasted so much time doing this when it's so obvious now i should have been doing that right um, and it's hard to have that level of belief when you're still in it. But what, what's cool about podcasts like yours, uh, Mike, and, and this one is like if you guys just got to trust that what we're saying, like this is true, not just for me or him, for everybody that's achieved anything significant. This is the path. Like it's like gravity. It's just foundational, right? Yeah. And honestly, that's what we do, right? We
0: desperately say, well, gosh, I, you know, I, I don't know how many, I think as old as I am, but I spent 20 years. Just banging my head against the wall and walking around in the dark, banging into furniture, you know, pulling my hair out or having it turn gray on me. Um, and it just gives me so much joy to help younger folks or any folks that uh, haven't kind of figured that out to help them sort that out. And I love that we are in, in an age where, good Lord, I would have killed to have a podcast like this oh, uh, when I was starting. Like oh, there was nobody. I was in Grand Junction, Colorado, man. There was nobody that knew what yes. they were doing or wanted to help me. To have a Joshua Latimer that I could have given money or even just for free, he would have coached me for a you know, half hour at a time for nothing.
1: Oh, my, I, my head
0: would have exploded.
1: Oh, man. I know. I know. If you can't make it in the United States of America in 2018 with a small business, you would have never had a chance at all in the past of human history, like at least not at the level, like we have everything. We have technology. We have speed. We have an entire population of people that are trained to buy. They're trained to be consumers. Like <laughs> the service industry is insane in this country because it's not like this everywhere else. I lived in Costa Rica for a while. Like the market is perfect here. The access to the market is unlike anything in the in the world. And it's easy to kind of like still get stressed and stuff. But I think that's why a lot of foreigners will come to, to our country here And just crush it in business because they have a more clear picture of what the opportunity really is.
0: I built a business handwriting envelopes telling people I was going to call them like a
1: caveman for crying out loud. Like, (laughs) look at the tools that we have now. It's insane. Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. And tell me a little bit about your podcast. Uh, How can people find it? Um, What's the name of it? Give us some details on that.
0: Yeah, sure. Happy to. So it's GrowMyCleaningCompany.com, has the podcast, the blog, the the YouTube channel. Of course, if you Google uh, Grow My Cleaning Company, you'll find all that nonsense. Uh, And we basically – 90% of the time, I'm um, coaching owners of cleaning companies live and in time. So they ask a question. I help them best I can. And then 10% of the time, I'll do what Josh was doing here. If I find someone I think is uh, super fantastic or has something to say or uh, has a a take on something that maybe I'm not able to bring my audience, I'll have them on. And actually, we did a uh, podcast, with Joshua, you and I, and uh, if you guys are digging this and dig Joshua, you'll love that one. So Joshua, if you want to link to that, you can. If not, uh, so be it. But uh, growmycleaningcompany.com is kind of the long and the short of it.
1: Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up, too, is um, we we're talking offline about live events. And I told you, I was like, yeah, we did our first live event last fall and uh, because you were asking me questions because you're doing them and we're like yeah it was like i was really nervous to do it you know like we'd never done one before and then kind of like on the other side of it looking back at like just the radical impact i know that sounds cheesy but i'm going to say it again because i mean it 100% radical impact that that it had to get a whole bunch of people that are like-minded in a room and like how cool that was and then you had mentioned to me that you were going to do a live event too um do you want to share any details about that while I got you or anything like that?
0: <laughs> do I? Uh, my <laughs> goodness, your timing is ridiculous because we literally just uh, – we're recording this on a Tuesday, and we just finished the event. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it was my first uh, – I've done paid speaking gigs where you come in kind of as a hired gun to a different audience. You do a 90-minute keynote, you know, kiss some babies and shake some hands and get out of there. This is the first time I've had my own personal com- – you know, I've done other events for other people as a hired gun. This is the first time i had my own community and good lord i gotta tell you after saturday i was whipped exhausted ready to drop dead because we started at eight and i stuck around till six and if i wasn't in the bathroom peeing i was pretty much coaching <laughs> and i gotta tell you it gave me so much energy to win and, and a couple of days i had to leave because like a little two-year-old i had to look after uh at six o'clock half the attendees are still there like nerding out and talking business and It's irreplaceable. Like these are people I've been coaching. Some of them for, some of them I just met. Some I've been coaching for months, um, and the relationship instantly is at an entire different place. Like there are 16 people, and before it's always like, oh god, who's Stacy? Guys, that's a girl name. I think he's the guy, and where is he from? And what business? That's over right now. I just know them i know exactly who stacy is what he does what he looks like and there's just so much information you get within the first 28 seconds of meeting someone that you can't get even if if with months of talking so um for me i've i've always been a live event guy and i feel like most i won't say all that's not that can't be true but most of the the big events or big shifts i've done have been at live events so Mm uh
1: yeah. I, just, I just couldn't say the positive things. Well, we talked about earlier how like the one thing you can't make someone be is hungry, right? Like people that are willing – because I know what it feels like to like click a button or like pay a fee and then you got to travel and it's a thing, right? But it's really easy to parse out the people that want a radical change in their life and they're serious against everybody else who just kind of like playing business or they're not ready for a big change is like – going to a live event is putting your money where your mouth is. Like, not only is there, like, a financial cost to it, but, like, it's emotionally risky, especially for introverts or people like that. But what's cool is, like, when we did our event, like, the relationships that were formed there were just insane. And people are so funny because they'll listen to this podcast and they know everything about me, right? They feel like I'm their best friend because they know my wife's name, my kid's name, and they know my entire history, all my dark, dirty secrets, all the bad stuff, all the frustrated. And then when I meet, I'm like, I don't really know them, but they're like they just give me like the biggest hugs you're like josh oh my gosh how's maverick how's ashley i'm like uh, what was your name again and, and then we connect and it's just like this permanent change you know it's like you're a real person you're not just a voice in the internet and then you sit down you get to work unpacking the business stuff and it's just i don't know there's a, there's really nothing like it and i was nervous to do it um I knew people would come to it. I wasn't nervous about that. I was nervous, like, man, I hope I can over deliver. I hope that this is like not weird. It wasn't weird at all. It was amazing. People are crying for like two days. It was insane. I don't know if you had tears at yours, but ours was a cry, a cry fest. <laughs> we, I was, I was wondering
0: about that. I'm like, maybe I've done something wrong. But that encouraged me. As if you had that as well. And I, I get two quick stories to share of just always highlighting my people because they're amazing. Uh, one guy. Uh, we had this particular event in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where I live. We had a guy drive from Missouri. It was a 21-hour drive by himself, not with his wife, in the car. One way. He had to go back so forty over oh, for 40 hours of driving. Um, he forgot he had, he had somebody's keys four hours out, had to turn around and go back and then come back. So this poor son of a gun had that kind of driving. But that's the grit, so, right? Someone it, like
1: that can't fail in general in the long run. It's almost impossible. If you're that relentless and that big of a maniac to learn and consume information, You you've already won. You just don't know it yet. Yeah, and
0: did I want him to have that pain? No, I wish he would have bought a plane ticket. I I was halfway like, "What do you think of you numbskull?" But the other half of me is like, "Exactly what you said." The fact do I want you to have to do this exact thing? No, I don't think it's a good use of your time. But the fact that you're willing to do it, and that's what if that's what it takes for you to get the information and do it, love that guy, Tim. If you were listening to this, you are a freaking rock star, my friend. Uh, (laughs) The second was. Jessica and again, I love telling stories about my, my community because they're such amazing human beings. This woman she she'd been in our kind of small group coaching for a little while single mom starting her business. Um, very, very bright individual and same thing. She she couldn't afford the plane ticket or for whatever reason I wasn't going to work for her. She's a single mom with two kids. She and her kids listen to the podcast uh, all the time. The kids know who I am, which is so cool. They're like 9 and 11. I remember signing a book for them, taking pictures to send back to the kids. But they were so committed to their mom succeeding. They went to the neighbors and said, hey, my mom wants to go to this event. Can we stay with you for a couple days? while she goes and learns. And I was just blown away with her raising, A, such unselfish individuals that they're willing to do that, and B – um, just that she was, and she drove as well. She came from Texas and I think it was like a 12 hour drive and we had the coaching, we had our weekly coaching call on Wednesday, um, group and then the event started Thursday. So she called in Wednesday to the call. I'm like, Oh, fantastic. Your, your hotel, you're relaxing, blah, blah. She's like, Oh no, I'm six hours out. And this was like 6 PM the night before. And she was excited as could be. So that kind of stuff is just like Joshua said, when you've got that willingness to do that, it, it's very hard to see you to fail. And then there's other people that won't won't lift a finger, won't won't do anything. If someone's like, "Hey, come to this networking meeting after work." Like, "Bah, I'm not interested in that." It's just it's night and day.
1: Absolutely, man. And I, I guess my only final thought is that the the reason, there's one reason that I even did a live event, and it's because I have sold, you know, hundreds and hundreds of uh my automate grow sell bootcamp. It's a digital course. It's very powerful. It's amazing. Um, and what was happening, and I didn't understand this would happen in the beginning, right? I'm just trying to help and serve people. I put like my whole brain into this thing. It's like so much content and it's step by step by step how to build and automate and grow a business and people go through it. Uh, but the the percentage of people that would complete it or would have radical transformation from it. Wasn't high enough. You know, for me, it was like, because it's not an inexpensive product, but people buy it and we have a lot of success stories. But a whole group of people, it's like I didn't hear from them. They wouldn't engage. We have a private Facebook group. I'm like, where are you at? And what I realized is that there's a big difference between information, like what's contained in this podcast even, and transformation. And for to have transformation, maybe you can like run with this too, but like for me, the theme of our live event was that community Plus clarity equals conquer. That's like what all the t-shirts had because the thing is, is like getting in a room, sitting down, getting perfect clarity on what to do and what order to do it. It's, it's hard to do that like in a group setting, like everybody's nuanced business is a little different. But when we got in our live event, we literally said we, the whole team would mastermind around and, and rip apart each person's business and build a six month sprint. And then just having that community and the energy in the room, that is what causes the transformation. And there's such a huge stark difference to like the live event to just people that consume my information. And to me, it got me hooked. They got my wife hooked too because <laughs> she just couldn't get enough of it. She was like, we got to do this again. We and it was a ton of work, by the way. Like you said, we are exhausted, but it was so worth it. So, so, so worth it.
0: Yeah, same thing. I wish I could be all altruistic and say, you know, I just wanted to serve my people better and, and make their lives better, which of course I do, but selfishly, I just really, really, really enjoy looking at somebody eyeball to eyeball, being able to give somebody a hug, pat them on the back, tell them it's gonna be okay. Um, so yeah, for me, truth be told, it's really selfish. I just love coaching in that in, in that live environment. And as much as I love coaching, if you got all these 16 people on a call, 8 a.m., and we had to go till 5, I don't think I'd have made it. Certainly not for two and a half <laughs> days. Like I, I'm sure they wouldn't. They'd have, been, they'd have been out of there quick. But you get us in a room. Not only do we make it. It's 6 o'clock. I'm dying. Like, oh, I'm going to miss you guys. I'll, I'll be back tomorrow, but I've got to get my son. And they're like, no problem. See you later. And they're still talking, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that magic is,
1: but it is. Well, are you, are you going to be re- doing more of them, or you just wrap that one up? Is there any future ones or anything or any information people can get if they're interested in coming to meet you?
0: yes uh, if you go to growmycleaningcompany.com forward slash live you will get our very next event uh, there are by invitation only so if you go there you cannot give me any money you can only sign up for a free console so you and I can talk to see if uh, if it makes sense right because I really since there's only 16 people there I'm you know I'm pretty confident we're gonna sell them all out uh, so it's not as much as getting as many people's money as possible it is getting the right people in in the seats right because the the magic of uh, you know again I was by far not the smartest guy in the room and the magic of everybody kind of sharing their experience uh, was huge. Mm -hmm. So yeah, growmycleaningcompany.com forward slash live will get you uh, all the details on that Oh, that's
1: perfect. Yeah, I did the same thing. We had people put down like a $1,000 deposit, but then we went through and vetted everything just to make sure because I think that's important. So, uh, Mike, thank you for your, your, first of all, thanks for hel- your hilarious stories. And we never got to <laughs> wish talk they were about just stories. You know, You'll have to come back on in the future and tell us why you got kicked out of Las Vegas for counting cards. But I'm going to specifically let that hang as a hook so it drives people crazy so they'll listen to the next episode. Um, but I appreciate your time very much. I'm so happy we got to connect with each other. And it's just, great to meet a like-minded guy guy everybody go to growmycleaningcompany.com forward slash live if you want to go to phoenix and meet mike and uh just go to growmycleaningcompany.com if you want to check out his podcast he does coaching calls at his podcast it's really cool and he was nice enough to have me on recently so check out that interview and that's it mike any final closing words before i let you go
0: you're the man joshua i really appreciate the uh the honor of let me let me get to know your audience a little
1: bit Oh, you are very welcome. My job is to serve the people and give the people what they want. And what we talked about today, I'm certain, is what the people want. So (laughs) thank you for coming on, Mike. My pleasure, brother.